0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, June 2nd, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. What do we lose when we measure economic productivity with gross domestic product? We actually fail to appreciate a lot about how the economy works. So says Mark Skousen, author of the book The Structure of Production. His idea is to emphasize gross output, which includes more economic transactions than GDP. It seems like you can poll a broad range of economists, and all of them have substantial problems with the current dominant measure of economic output GDP. Yeah. You know? so, uh, it, some people have criticized it for not including work that is not done specifically for money, like work in the home. You criticize it for undervaluing the productivity of business, of, yeah. business, of yeah. production. Yeah. Uh, so, what are your chief criticisms of, of GDP broadly?
1: Well, I actually don't criticize it for the one criticism that's often done about unpaid work and uh, the underground economy and so forth. We, we all know that uh, GDP is not a perfect measure, but as long as it's consistently defective... Uh, then you can compare it from one quarter to another, and so forth. So, um, and also I should say that it's always supposed to have been a measure of actual transactions, where money exchanges hands. So, on that basis, unpaid work by the maid and so forth never should have, never should be covered. Uh, because it doesn't involve the uh, exchange of money, even though it involves productive work. So the idea is that GDP is a measure of economic transactions makes sense. Now, the Bureau of Economic Analysis, the government agency with the Commerce Department that uh, – Measures This sort of thing has moved further and further away from the transaction approach by including research and development. Uh, they include rental uh, housing as uh, measures that don't involve transactions. There's a number of things that don't involve transactions, so it's, it's become more and more complicated. Uh, what I'm trying to do... Is, uh, is create a statistic that is a measure of transactions at all stages of production. And GDP leaves out a big chunk of that. And, in fact, when, when the figures came out on the supply chain, the, the pipeline uh, from resources to the final product, what they call intermediate inputs, it turns out to be bigger than GDP itself. So it's a huge section of the economy that's left out of GDP. GDP measures final output. So here's the way I compare it. It's kind of like if you were an analyst on Wall Street and the only thing you looked at was profit. You just looked at the bottom line of companies. Now, that would tell you a certain amount of information and stuff, But why is it that analysts also look at the top line, which is revenue? Because sales gets you to profitability, and if sales are not working, maybe that's going to lead to further problems. So, analysts look at top line and bottom line in financial statements, and I'm saying economists need to catch up with that formula. And so, gross output, which is now being measured by uh, the BEA, I I don't think they know what they have here. I've had to. uh, I've been in a process of uh, in discussions with uh, BEA officials since the early 1990s. So, I originally proposed to them that we needed to measure spending at all stages of production and not just final output, uh, because of the distortions that that causes, such as the idea that consumer spending is the biggest sector of the economy, which it's not. And if nothing else, what we get out of uh, your measure
0: is uh, at least a change in the discussion about how the economy works by people who don't necessarily understand a whole lot of economics. Because a whole lot of the discussion about economic output is focused on that, as you say, consumer spending, Yeah. so if if, if your measure achieves nothing else, at the very least, it might change the popular conception of what drives the economy.
1: I think so. Uh, I, it's interesting that some, some observers say gross output is, is uh, kind of the businessman's perspective or the merchant's point of view or even the accountant's point of view because what does a businessman do? He takes supplies. He transforms them into a new product, and then he sells it to the consumer or the customer. And so that uh, pipeline, if you will, is an important part of the perspective of what a business person does. And all we're doing is creating a system of accounts that's consistent with that point of view. So we now have a top line gross output total revenues at all stages of production. And then we got the final product. So the the unfinished products, the pipeline is all unfinished, incomplete. You're moving it along the process, and then it ends up in that finished product. Now, are you going to measure just the finished product? You certainly should, and GDP is supposed to be an estimate of that. But you'd also like to know, well, how did you get there? And that's what gross output is all about, and and that's why I think both of them are necessary. And what's interesting is that this is a conclusion that's not just from the perspective of a free market economist or an Austrian or supply sider. Uh, This is a unifying concept. Uh, When you have William Nordhaus, Bill Nordhaus of Yale University, who was uh, Keynes uh, wrote, wrote with Paul Samuelson, the Keynesian textbook, he's a champion of this concept. Uh, and, and then you have business people that are uh, champions of this. It's kind of nice to see everybody coming together instead of uh, the, the, the fighting, the infighting that you often see with schools of economics. So the, the critical component here is, is intermediate inputs. The supply chain, in essence, that's right. So,
0: so things that are not finished goods that yeah, are goods are in process,
1: sold. the pipeline, marketing channels. There's all kinds of interesting terminology that's used. You know, even in the energy field, there is uh, there is upstream, there's midstream, and there's downstream. So, the upstream are the independent oil and gas producers. The midstream are the pipeline companies that bring the oil and gas to the refiners. So, that's the downstream is the refiners and the retailers and the gasoline companies and stuff like that. So, you see that business perspective of the supply chain, the pipeline, if you will, and it's a beautiful way of looking at the whole production process. That is not captured in GDP because GDP is just the finished product. And so they do include business, but it's only fixed capital expenditures, which uh, is $3 trillion. It leaves out the some 20 trillion dollars of spending to get the production process moving along to the final product.
0: So for an accounting perspective, from an accounting perspective, you would be uh, the standard measures of GDP would leave out cost of goods sold for businesses.
1: That's a great way of looking at it exactly. And so what, uh, what gross output is is, uh, is top line, revenue sales. And then GDP is what we might call gross profit. Gross profit margins. Uh, so it's uh, it's uh, it's an interesting new perspective, and I have found it's great for students get it right away when you use the top line bottom line comparison. Uh, that's so I'm I'm really happy to have developed this uh, way of explaining it.
0: The other issue here that that I think is interesting and that I think your measure uh, that it, as you say the BEA is now uh, following is how that impacts discussions about not just the broad economy, but about international trade. Because so much of what we import into the United States that, uh, of, as imports is stuff that goes into other stuff. It's almost half.
1: Yeah. And what's interesting is that even when raw products arrive in the United States, sometimes they're already finished, sometimes they're semi-manufactured. Uh, Sometimes they're just the raw commodity. So there's probably a lot of stages. of. There definitely is a lot of uh, top-line revenues. If you went all the way back to the earliest stage of production, that would be a huge amount of money. And when you realize that when business – that the capital requirements to move the production process along is – an incredible amount of money. It's not just that little amount that is devoted to fixed capital investment of tools and equipment and that sort of thing, computers and that sort of thing. It's all of those stages of production that have to be financed in uh, a huge amounts of money. So it takes an incredible amount of capital to make this production, this capitalist system work. And coordination. Yes. <laughs> and
0: coordination. Do you suspect or do you hope that, at least among economists, there is a greater sensitivity up to the role of regulation in economic measures like GDP or gross output? Because If you're looking at gross output, you're looking at multiple stages of transactions. You're looking at all of this this entire movement of goods downstream as they become finished products. Is there a hope that people, economists or people who are advising politicians, would say, well, maybe we want to take a lighter hand with regulation because we don't want to damage this uh, intricate, spontaneous uh, stream of products as they move on to finished goods?
1: You know, I think that what you're seeing is if you regulate something at the earliest stage of production, so you have less of it, then that affects every chain – the chain all the way down is affected all along. It's just like if you are lacking shoestrings, Shoe, strings, shoe uh, you, you have shoes and you have uh, uh, shoestrings to tie it together. If there's a shortage of shoestrings, you don't sell the shoe at all. They still have to wait for the shoestrings to be made. And so, if there's a shortage anywhere, if there's an additional cost anywhere along the supply chain, it's going to affect everything in the downstream side of it, and it could be significant. The only other downside to this is, of course, value-added tax. I was about to ask. Yeah. The the VAT could be more prominent once people realize what's happening here is a way of measuring the stages of production, and then you add the tax at every level. So a lot of people have said, all you're doing is facilitating government to sometime impose a value-added tax. But maybe also we could see that when you impose that value-added tax, that it does affect the entire production process, and the cost is, is kind of carried through all the way through to the final product. And it's a hidden tax too, which is always a danger. Uh, it, you see it in the price of the product, but you don't see what the tax was.
0: If your measure, uh, gross output, is given greater prominence and is more widely adopted as a as a critical measure of uh, economic performance, do you suspect that at the very least economists will focus a little less on the consumer side of the economy? Because there's any in the short run, there's any number of ways to to gin that up,
1: yeah, and and it's really interesting. You can always tell the perspective of the economist by their commentary on what's happening in the economy. If they're constantly referring to the consumer, well, the consumer's not spending, and this what's is wrong a, with the consumer. Yeah, there's a dangerous asking. sign, and that sort of thing. And what they're totally ignoring what. Uh, the the changes in the production process, the R&D, the innovations, all of those things that are taking place because consumer is 70% of the economy. That's the only thing we really need to watch. And yet, as I've pointed out, if you look at the charts, consumer spending is very stable. Uh, it, it did actually drop in 2008, 2009 for the first time in 50 years, uh, but uh, it dropped very little compared to B2B business spending and gross output. That's, that's where the business cycle really takes place. Uh, but you're right. I mean, I want to If I know I've achieved some level of success when uh, the focus will now shift toward uh, business transactions. And, in fact, that's already happened with the the conference board's 10 leading indicators. If you look at those, uh, all of them are business-oriented, early-stage capital goods and manufacturing and stuff like that. The stock market, the yield curve, and so on, is all further back in the uh, earlier stages of production. There's one exception, though, and that's the Consumer Confidence Index. And so, uh, with this mindset that the consumer drives the economy, out of the 10 leading indicators, the only one they focus on every time when it comes out is the Consumer Confidence Index. But the conference board, even themselves, recognize that it's not really a measure of the consumer attitude and consumer spending patterns. In fact, they've changed the name now. It's the Consumer Confidence Index in business conditions. So it's added the word business condition. So in essence, what it is, it's asking consumers, what's the outlook for your job? What's the outlook for your company you're working for? Uh, are there any major expenditures, capital expenditures that you're planning to do? They actually only ask one, uh, one pure consumer question. Are you planning a vacation in the next six months? The rest of it is all capital-intensive, business-oriented type of questions. so that's why they've changed the name. It's a little misleading to say it's a Consumer Confidence Index.
0: In comparing GDP with gross output, uh, which one leads in terms of economic uh, changes? Or it would seem that you would expect gross output to fall just ahead of GDP declining. But Is that the case?
1: Uh, that's something we're looking into right now because gross output includes the earliest stages of production. So you'd think in terms of a timeline, you would see the first signs of recession in the earlier stages of production. And as a matter of fact, mining and manufacturing who, which and utilities and construction are your first signs of uh Uh, of the earlier stages of production, and all of those have been declining rather sharply except for construction. Uh, So um, uh, it's hard to say if, you know, the business spending has actually been in decline for the last two quarters, uh, ending in 2015. We don't have first quarter data yet for B2B or for gross output. Uh, but there, there is a downward trend going on right now, and you can see it in GDP as well. So it's still the, um, it's a little bit uncertain as to how useful the gross output statistic is in terms of predicting, but it does seem to be correlated to what's really going on in the economy for sure. And I will say that uh, what, what I found in, in the statistics, uh, in the data, is that when a recession occurs – B2B spending is dropping much sharp more sharply than, than final output, GDP. And then during the recovery, B2B is moving up faster than GDP. Well, right now, it's dropping, it's falling, while GDP is relatively flat, actually rising a little bit. B2B is actually in decline. Uh, Only slightly, though. So I'm calling it a a business recession, not a consumer spending recession, but a business recession. But it's only a mild one so far. So stagnation. Yeah, it's a relative stagnating economy right now. Yeah, it's unfortunate.
0: Mark Skousen is author of The Structure of Production. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Podcast.